0: Here's, here's what I believe in on offense, here's four things, and here's what I believe on defense, four things. And I think it's really important to get it down to a small number. And I said, these are the things that I'll raise my voice at. I said, everything else needs to be a whisper because there, there's got to be an order of teaching, You know, hand on the ball, no straight line drives defensively. If, if that's on my defensive napkin, which it is, then that's the first thing I need to address when there's a straight line drive. I can't talk about the weak side help at the same veracity of that straight line drive. Now, I can mention it, but I want to I address what I have on that napkin first.
1: Welcome to the Jamodi podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamodi, just a matter of doing it. Today we are joined by one of the most respected offensive minds in the game, Coach Doug Novak. He's had coaching stops at the Citadel and Tulane as an assistant. Bethel University has a head coach for seven years, and on the women's side, he was the head coach at Mississippi State. Most recently, he has been the associate head coach at Army West Point. Coach Novak shares his coaching philosophy both on 30-plus years of coaching at the JUCO, D3, D2, and D1 levels freely on his website, coachdugnovak.com. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamari Podcast. Hey, Coach. Well, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Well, thank you so much for giving up your time to come on and talk hoops with me. You and I don't have you know, a, a personal relationship, or I don't think we've interacted before, but your name has come up with some of the guys I've been able to talk to about uh, conceptual offense, you know, race and space and, uh, your name keeps coming up. So I just sought you out and and looking online and learning more about your materials. I've just, I can't wait for this.
2: Well, that's
0: nice to hear. Um, so tell me a little bit about you. I I tried to do a little bit of search on you and you have a interesting background. It sounds like,
1: Oh, well, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm very interesting. Uh, but no, I live in Dallas, Fort Worth, They you know, played at Baylor, went through some things there, you know, played for coach bliss for three years. And then for coach drew my senior year, we only had six scholarship players. So uh, after all of that stuff happened. And so that was interesting. And so
0: was Matt Driscoll around it? He was,
1: he, my senior year was his first year there. He was only mm, 38 at the time when he came and, and, the average age of the coaching staff was 34. So he was the old man on the, <laughs> so, so he's a close friend of mine.
0: And oh, okay. I, was, I was coaching at Anderson university and he was at Clemson and yep. he used to come over to our practices all the time. And, uh, and, and I don't know how many years, 20 some years ago, and we've stayed friends. And, uh, I, I never met anybody with so much energy and I, and it was like uh, it was two years ago. I went and spent some time with him in Florida, and uh, it was I don't know. We we did all day long. We did a, like a little coaching clinic, and then I I saw I thought of something that we were talking about, and I I don't sleep well, or I don't sleep very much, and so I just sent a little text. And I'm staying in his condo with his wife, and my daughter was with me too, who's now coaching at uh, George Washington with oh. the women's side. And uh, so it was like a dribble fly, a little flip up. So I sent it to him at two o'clock in the morning. Now he jumps out of bed, knocks on my door, comes in. He never stops. And I was like, <laughs> we can talk about it in the morning. I just want, I just wanted to talk. I just want to send you this little video clip. He never stops. He's unbelievable.
1: Coach, just imagine playing for that all all season long,
3: <laughs> he's authentic. He <laughs> no is authentic. doubt,
1: he he's one of my favorite people. And, and what you see is what you get. It's not an act. It is really who he is. He just is so passionate about basketball, helping people. Uh, he is he's awesome. Right. No, I I agree. But what a small world. I, I'm the high school coach now at uh, Grapevine Faith Christian School in Dallas Fort Worth. It's a little five A private school and. And, and love getting to talk with coaches and started this kind of a COVID idea and then been able to meet some amazing people. And like I said, uh, Mark Cassio, Tony Miller, both of those guys brought your, names, uh, your name up. And so when multiple people start sharing about the same guy, I just, I looked you up. Sure. No, that, that, this will be great. I, I think it's uh, interesting to start out with this question of handling defeat. Because uh, all coaches have to, and I think a lot of players uh, don't realize sometimes that we are just as competitive as they are, if not more, and want to win just as bad. But something I struggled with as a younger coach is handling defeat the correct way. So how do you handle it with your players?
0: Well, it, it's it's kind of ironic, but it's the absolute first thing that we ever talk about is how to lose. Um, and, and I So I got to be a head coach at a very young age at Iowa Western junior college. And, and I gave the most impassionate speech about drugs and, but, but I also recruited somebody out of Chicago who I knew had a drug habit Mm. and uh, brought him in. And, you know, we, we talked beforehand. He said, there's so many bad influences in Chicago. I just want to get away. And we were a little farming community in, in Iowa. And, uh, I said, well, this is perfect for you. Well, I give my great drug speech, and again, that should do it. Like, I, I've i got a master's in counseling, my undergraduate degrees in psychology, and I gave you the greatest speech of all time on why not to do drugs and to change your life. Yeah, check. <laughs> and then, uh, sure enough, a few weeks into junior mm. college, I kind of know he's doing it, and we test him, and, and I said, I don't want to give up the kid's name, but I said, well, what's sure. going on? You told me that there's all these bad influences. You're in, you're in the middle of Iowa in a cornfield and you still want to do the drugs. And he said, there's nothing to do here. What else am I supposed to do? I said, you just want to do drugs. And so I'm thinking I'm a failure as a coach. Uh, and it's it, something's very, it's just part of life. And I wasn't, my speech wasn't bad. Um, uh, he wasn't bad. Those are tough things to handle. Uh, but, but I think as a younger coach, you, you think that with everything, every impassioned speech and thing that you've done, it things should be fixed immediately. And it just doesn't work that way. Hmm. Uh, you know, you don't get to maturity by snapping your fingers. You don't get to maturity by reading a book. You get maturity, unfortunately, by going through some tough stuff. Uh, and, you know, hopefully we can skip some of the tough stuff by looking at somebody else's failures, somebody else's mistakes, and we can grow from reading. We can grow by watching. We can grow by those things. But sometimes there are certain things we have to go through that are tough. And, uh, you know, there's a verse in the Bible, it's James 1, you know, in terms of consider it pure joy, you know, for those tough times that come because that's what creates maturity. And so, I would rather not do those things. I would rather not go through those things, but sometimes you have to go through them to get maturity because if you don't, and if uh, as a coach or as a parent, you just try to like snowplow all the problems away, actually what we're creating is immaturity. Hmm. So then you're in a position of, is that what we're trying to do is create immature people to go out in the world? And I I don't think so. But anyway. I know that's kind of a rambling long story. No, it's reason. good. But, uh, when, when you coach as many different levels that I have, and I feel very fortunate to be able to go junior college, uh, division two, division three, division one, you get a lot of different and then actually women yeah. for one year. Uh, but you get a lot of different experiences to pull from.
3: And, um, uh, it's uh, the the high the like so the Division three
0: uh, Army West Point these are high achievers these are people that have uh, a foundation around them that expect high things so they they actually have more anxiety and so you have to deal with the anxiety sometimes at the lower levels of a, of junior college and they don't quite have the foundation, you know, they may not have the same degree of caring and there's a different set of problems, but human nature is human nature. And when, when you're dealing with these things, you're going to lose, you're going to lose a possession. And, and so in junior college, they lose a possession and, and, you know, it's somebody else's fault. Uh, a lot of, um, Anger issues would come out early, and you'd have to try to deal with that. Um, and in Division Three or high achiever things that we that I've coached before, it's more about uh, they put so much pressure on themselves and they're beating themselves up. And uh, so dealing with losing really matters. In 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 my background, I have a little bit of a background in tennis. I played at the University of Tennessee, and tennis is a funny sport because you lose a lot of points and you can win a match.
1: Wow. Yeah. And you
0: have to understand percentages.
1: And you have to let things go pretty quick, I would imagine, too, right?
0: No no doubt. And, and it might have been the greatest training to become a basketball coach was to coach tennis and, and play a little bit of tennis to understand uh, what, what you may have to do to, to win the bigger game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that became a big focal point in how to lose, and I'm I'm like you, uh, I have to protect myself from these losses. You know, like what we're going to do after a loss, um, you know, how we're going to watch film, and and so I protect myself, and I know exactly what we're going to do because it's going to be the same way that we're going to do for any other practice or a win. It's going to be instructional defense. It's going to be positive defense. It's going to be instructional offense and then positive offense. And it's going to be about the same number of clips. And, and I put that in there for a reason because I know I'm emotional. I want to win as much as anybody else. And I don't trust my feelings. And so like, I needed a little bit of, a, of parameters to, to help protect myself so that I didn't go off the wall, because what happens is you end up losing not just that one game, you lose multiple games because you couldn't see things clearly. I know I can't see things clearly, so I needed a couple things in place uh, to try to help. And so before the season starts, we talk, we address our team about how to lose correctly, hmm. and and how we can gain wisdom from losses. And the biggest thing is, is being grateful. Uh, And everybody says, and I, and myself too, it was like, I am grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm like, you're grateful for those positive things, but it's really hard to say that I'm grateful for losing. I'm grateful for this team showing me that I was inadequate in preparing our team Mm -hmm. to defend this screen. Uh, and and sometimes I have to fake it, and I tell them the same thing is like we we need to give thanks to that team for showing us what we can't do, so that we can learn how to do it. Mm. And so we can't blame the referees, you know. We can't blame you know whatever. And and again, there's a time for grieving and being a baby, but at some point you got to accept the reality so that you can move forward and gain that wisdom. And it's hard but the but the faster we can get to it, and the faster that we can understand that losing is a part of maturing the 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 more growth we can have, and it's not a bad thing, yeah and sometimes you can do everything right, uh, you can play the perfect possession and and that ball got swung to the shooter, and I want that shooter to be able to shoot it, and I want him thinking, I took a championship shot, and I can live with the consequences. And so that's kind of the art of coaching, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's not easy, but you got to somehow take the weight off of those guys so that they know that, that that's how we're going to win and that's how we're going to lose and we're going to love you either way because you did the right
1: thing. Coach, thank you so much for sharing that story at the beginning. Um, I think all coaches feel that pressure to want to protect to, to want to say the right thing uh to save our players from pain from from future mistakes but then you're right on the money when they make those mistakes uh we we, we tend to blame ourselves and like uh, but I already said that I fixed that problem you should what are you, why are you failing there but but to your point and I think that's where I'll, myself and a lot of coaches maybe we can oh, just breathe out a little bit keep it's not that we don't need to have that speech because the speech is still necessary. Got to say it because at some point, you know, we're planting those seeds that hopefully come uh, that come out later on, but when they do fail and when they do mess up and do the exact thing that we said not to do, don't freak out. It's a part of it. They have to go through that.
0: Yeah. And, and there's a term that, that the older I've, I've gotten and it happened quick too. But uh, be relentlessly patient, um, and, and because patience seems soft, and, and no coach wants to be soft, and you don't want your team to be perceived as soft. But sometimes you just have to have a relentless patience uh, towards that goal of maturity, of growing, of growth, and, uh, and if you're flying off the the handle. Over everything uh if everything is so important, then nothing really is
1: yeah if and, you're relentlessly unstable that's <laughs> gonna be hard to <laughs> great, hard to play for that person
0: no doubt and and so uh it, it's been so much fun having my daughter go into coaching mm. uh, even though my wife tried to have her not do it is there anything else <laughs> you might want to do uh but uh it's like I'm starting over again and I'm helping her and we're talking every night about her team mm-hmm. and about her philosophy and different things. And sometimes you forget the longer you're in it, uh, like why you believe in what you believe. And so to have somebody so young asking you those questions, I mean, it really brings you back to reality and, and grounds you a little bit. But the one thing that we constantly talk about is uh, is like, what do you believe in? offensively defensively and it can, and to me it can't be 17 pillars of something i can't remember so uh, i just spent i just spent a week with her not too long ago in dc and and we're watching film we're doing all kinds of things and, and we had napkins all over the place and um salt and pepper shakers <laughs> And, and, and I'd said, here, here's, here's what I believe in on offense. Here's four things. And here's what I believe on defense, four things. And I think it's really important to get it down to a small number. And I said, these are the things that I'll raise my voice at. Mm. I said, everything else needs to be a whisper. Yeah. Uh, Cause there, there's gotta be an order of teaching. Um, so if you know, hand on the ball, no straight line drives defensively. If if that's on my defensive napkin, which it is, then that's the first thing I need to address when there's a straight line drive. I can't talk about the weak side help at the same uh, veracity of that straight line drive. Now I can mention it, but I want to I want to address what I have on that napkin first, and so it it. Again, instead of playing whack a mole, you yeah. know what you believe in. If somebody came into our practices, we'd hope like they'd walk away saying like he really believes in uh, throwing strikes on offense, uh, the f- how they start on offense, the footwork part. And so it, it takes a long time to as in in as a coach to figure out what's really important to you, and, and it's uh, and. And and you got to go through, you got to get some scars to get beat really bad and you have to be humiliated and you'll figure it out. There's, there's communicated knowledge when you're young and uh, a Dean Smith clinic or book or John Wooden and, you know, as good as they've ever been, um, you know, that's communicated knowledge. And then there's revealed knowledge Hmm. to you in your league, who you're coaching that, uh, you know what, I'm not going to have my four-man ever inbound the ball because Dave Davis, who coached at Pfeiffer and now is at BMI, is one of the all-time great pressing coaches I've ever seen. And he taught me that my power forward shouldn't inbound the ball because he trapped the guard and threw it back to him. And my power forward, who was a all-conference type player, had eight turnovers throwing it into the stands. And so his strength was, at the other end, being a power forward, it wasn't being a guard 80 feet from the basket. Mm. So, so revealed knowledge by Dave. Yeah. Again, that was a painful loss for me that that's, it's, it's a scar that stuck with me. But at the same time I said, you know, Dave, thank you for teaching yeah. you that. I'll never do that again. And so I'll may, I'll probably never face another press that he had like that. I'm but if I do, I'm ready for it.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it goes back to what you said before about gratitude after lossing. I think as coaches, we have to not just, we, we don't just want our players to believe that so they can get past it and learn from it. But we have to have our eyes open to it. Cause like, you know, lesson learned right, right there with that guy inbounding it. And you were better because of that competition, which is why we play games especially early on before our district or our league's start is to learn valuable lessons like that so much to unpack there I do want to go back to one thing that you said about watching film that I really I really thought was helpful which is win or loss those film sh- sessions shouldn't be different i I just immediately transported myself back to as a player after a loss walking into film with this dread this fear of what is going to happen here today? You know, we got our tail kicked. This could be ugly. It's pressure that it's it's unnecessary. And I don't know how you feel, but not many players are intentionally trying to lose. So <laughs> you go into it with an, a mindset of win or, lo- win or lose. Uh, here are the three things, uh, offensively, defensively. I love that mindset right there.
3: Well, I don't trust my feelings. Um... And and I don't
0: want to be Spock from Star Trek, like I I like I, I want to be passionate about things, but I just don't trust them. And so like I, and and that's why I said I want to protect me. And and there's some situations where we want to protect our players while they're trying to acquire skills, but but uh, you know I want that film room to be a teaching room. Yeah, and I actually. I actually want everybody that would play for us to have to know how to coach. Whether they choose to coach or not, uh, that's up to them. But I, I, I do think one of my jobs is to teach them how to coach. And and I always felt like you're going to have to coach in some situation, whether it be your family, and you're you're going to have to be able to coach your family in some things. Uh, whether it's in business and you're going to have to present and you're going to have to be able to coach that team and and that's probably the proudest thing that 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 I've done in coaching is that I felt like everybody that had gone through our program knew how to coach mm. but during that film session I'm not huge into like a lot of individual meetings and and there obviously there are some topics that need to be like private but I, but I wanted everybody to know like what Joe was struggling with in basketball because if I'm the only coach out there and the assistants are the only coaches out there worried about this or trying to help him with this I don't think we're going to be very good but if we can create a culture of we're all we're all missing together and if I'm in line with him and I I can't you know as a coaches don't see it I can help him and we get used to saying that. So as we're making corrections, and it's hard, yeah, in as a as adults up there, and and they are, I don't want to say tearing apart your game, but they're saying like this is instructional offense part, and this is not acceptable. Like this is not how we play. And at first, it feels like an assault on the identity, but it's really not. It's more. I want everybody in this room to hear it so that you can help him do that. And so I have a midlife crisis. I take that Mississippi state job as a uh, associate head coach and two weeks in or three, I don't know what it is, but all of a sudden, like I'm coaching women in the sec. And I remember the first time I screamed at this girl about her
3: footwork and she just froze and she gave me the biggest eyes and she just, like, I, I I don't know. I mean,
0: she almost started crying. I said, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at your feet. And she stared at me and said, like, now I'm really confused. Yeah. And then she started laughing. <laughs> I said, it's not personal. It's like, if you do this, you, everything's going to be fine. And, but, the, you know, that's, that's just part of it. And, again, that was something that was on her napkin. I'm not yelling about everything. That's something that will raise the voice and, and draw some attention. And then, so hopefully, you can get those people next to them to to jump in there. And then they get into this coaching part of it. And uh, you're an active participant in the, on all of it. You know, it's not just the captains doing the work. It's not just the coaches doing the work. But you know, we're trying to create this culture of. of of playing to a standard of teaching to a standard, but you got to know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's got to be clear. It's got to be small. And then once everybody understands that they might have a voice in this thing, that they can participate if they're not a captain, if they're not a senior, if they're not a junior, like, no, you have enough knowledge. And if you don't have enough knowledge, probably stay quiet until you you understand a little bit. And then you got to follow a little bit you got to lead a little bit, but I don't know, that's, this this West Point thing has been interesting watching the, you know, because now I'm at a place that's in total of align, alignment. Yeah. Like, we're getting guys that are learning how to follow, they're learning how to lead, uh, they're doing it all at the same time. Uh, you know, again, you know, what a great job I have.
1: <laughs> Coach, I love that, that, the idea of, as coaches, we need to have clarity ourselves with what are our offensive Um, concepts that we really want them to know and understand. Because even though there's 80 tiny little things, there needs to be a few that we really hang our hat on. And the guys can repeat like that. A basketball IQ is what you're talking about. One thing, have you heard of PGC before, Point Guard College? Yes. So I had the pleasure of directing for them. And one thing that they helped me realize is how much I was confusing the crap out of my players. By saying eighteen to twenty different things, uh, you know, within a practice, and so we have a game that we play uh, where they had to offensively know three concepts against man to man, three concepts against a one three one, three concepts against a two three. They had to say it, and and we, I was teaching them the PGC concepts, but it made me think if I asked my players right now what are our three or four concepts against a man-to-man? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to achieve? I think, I mean, I had a list of 15 to 20. So like you said, what's on your napkin, hold them accountable to those things that you've discussed. And I love that coach. That that was huge. So,
0: so we, and it's not like we don't run set plays. We're more of a concept team, but we were on set plays, but it's those concepts that we care about more than anything else their their footwork throwing strikes how we start how we stop and so if if that truly is what what's on the napkin can i go crazy about an execution of a set uh no that's got to be a whisper hmm. now, does it drive me crazy absolutely because we we could have gotten a naked score a catching and score and and everybody in the stands thinks you can really coach but but the most important thing is we're watching film, the big picture. And we're going through this right now. And we just finished practice, so I'm probably a little bit scattered because I'm thinking about what just happened. Uh, but the big picture is that you played through it. So that that spacing was – the only people that would have known that wasn't a perfect possession, uh, uh, The the fans would have never known it the coaches would have because we have the clicker and we could go slow motion, you should have done this, you should have done yeah. that.
1: Two feet but, to your right. Yeah. Like- yeah. yeah. <laughs> but
0: but at the same time is like if I'm if you're stopping them, and again, an error that I made early on, you you were stopping for things that weren't they're they they're important, but they're not that important. You can still play a possession. You yeah. can still fix it. You can still and we ended up getting a great shot. You played through a mistake and good grief. Like, isn't that life
2: mm.
0: Like, play through a few mistakes, play through a few, uh, some adversity, play through all these things. I had a really good coaching friend early on and I maybe mean, still a friend of mine, it, but he made one comment and, and I, I stole so many things from him basketball wise. He was just a genius. He goes, but at the, He said, at the end of the day, we're only coaching disposable skills.
3: And it just, I mean, I was like, oh, I hope that's not what I'm doing. I hope that these are not disposable
0: skills. And it was, kind. he was great at the X's and O's and and he is, you know, a great guy. But I was like, I don't want to coach disposable skills. These are all, they all translate to life. And if there's anything that we're doing out there that really doesn't translate to life, I probably throw it away. Uh, so if we're talking about spacing and there's a top corner option and and we're talking about to the corner guy, does he need help or does he need space? So and so we give him a few cues on when he, you know, popping a ball at the elbow and putting it by your ear, that's our communication and saying, like, I need help. Hmm. well i need some help but you know it's like a friend
3: like the hardest friend is like does he need help or does he need space and so if you're a male usually they never know if you need help or space
0: like joe's acting a little bit weird i'm not i'm gonna stay away from him like females actually have a a better Hmm. i don't want to sound sexist but they have a better idea it's like they always want to help like jane is having some problems here let's Let's go help, let's bring everybody together let's so this do I need help or do I need space? Well, now we have a it's not a disposable skill. that's something that we talk about. How I throw you a pass tells you how much I like you. Well, what does that mean? Well, if I throw you a pass, that's three feet over to the left, I'm treating like a soccer goalie. I probably don't like you that much. but if I throw you a strike, I'm telling you you're special, and we we kind of like. Do no, a little fun it, gig about all this stuff, but you know, yeah. I want to, I want to make this like
1: kind of fun too. Yeah, you're so right on the money, I, and I, there are some things that, like we we, when when the ball is attacking in space, and you're off of it, we say we call it don't be creepy, you <laughs> know, don't don't creep towards the ball, right. bring yourself, and so I always say guys in life, you know, just remember that, like don't be creepy. Right. I think I need to look for more opportunities, like you said, to to because it is I mean, these are life skills and this is learning how to communicate with somebody else. It's going to help you in a job interview one day. It's going to help you in your relationships one day. It's going to help you parenting. So thank you for that reminder, because that, that, that's really good.
0: And then and then what do you do when there's a little bit of conflict and yeah. and, and the guy doesn't throw you the ball? Yeah. And so coaching in Minnesota is, was, was great. So eight years in Minnesota with some high-achieving kids and, and, and great kids. But there's a thing that they call in Minnesota. They call it um, Minnesota Nice. And so like they're all so darn nice. They don't say anything. But there's also a passive aggressiveness to it too. So, like, when you don't get the ball in the corner, you're wide open, and, you know, you draw a two and I attack the two. Yeah, And you don't say anything, but then you go stand on the sideline and say, like, he never passes me the ball. And then the next guy whispers, yeah, he never passes me either. I was like, that's about the meanest thing you could ever do is whisper. And so when we're watching film, the guy that I'd get after would be the guy in the corner. I said, what would you say to him? I didn't say anything when he took that bad shot. I said, well, I'm, I'm more upset with you. Hmm. And then Again, there's an art to communication with that, and again, there's a depending on what level of kid you have, what foundation they have. So, I might have a different conversation in junior college because the conversation might be different. And you know, with the high academic kid, I the conversation is different too. Yeah, but you, but part of it is learning just how to talk, how to get your point across, and there's different levels too because sometimes it's in game, sometimes it's locker room. Sometimes it's dorm room. We got to address all of them. You got to figure it out. And it's
3: not not like clear cut, Mm -hmm. like there's art to it. And so, excuse me, but
0: dealing with that before it becomes an issue. And again, those are losses is important. And again, before it ever happens, like I want to address those things, and I think that's what we started with, and yep. we kind of went all over the place, and that's okay. But uh, but we're going to lose. We're going to lose possessions. We're going to make mistakes, and you know, as a, from a coaching standpoint, I always tell our teams, "I'm going to disappoint you. You are going to disappoint me. Uh, we we need to learn how to have some grace." Uh, And and just understand, like, any friendship, any relationship, there's going to be disappointment. How are we going to deal with it? It's never, uh, if it's going to happen, I'm telling you, it's going to happen in this season. No championship team, nobody that's ever done anything successful has ever gone from A to Z, just like this. It's, It's always like this. And so don't freak out when it doesn't go just as planned we want to plan for the unexpected and and again i i do think that's part of the reason that you know we don't have these severe roller coaster rides something's no i can't say that at 25 because we had more roller coasters and the roller coaster was me like i was leading that whole thing because I thought I was failing in different areas and I really wasn't failing it was just part of life. Mm. I wasn't I didn't have enough wisdom. I didn't have enough experience behind me to understand it's okay. I hate it that he did the drugs. I hate that that happened. It really it tears me apart, but it's it's not really my fault and it's not my spectacular speech that I gave. It's part of part of life and you got to deal with and there's some tough stuff that you have to deal with.
1: The Jamodi podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. I think we deal with confidence a lot of the junior high level, you know, kids' confidence goes up and down. High school, they struggle, they struggle with it. But I think a lot of high school players and coaches may forget that college players, pro players, struggle with confidence too. So, as a college coach, how do you help them uh, when you see their their confidence maybe going down?
0: Yeah, and again, this my experience in Division Three really helped me with these uh, type A personalities heavy tension uh they expect to achieve and uh you'd have some really good shooters not shooting it and they didn't know if I felt it was I you know I don't know why they
3: weren't but every time they shot it before it went in or out I would say great shot I mean before I saw the result and for some reason that seemed
0: to help and then in film work I probably showed as many misses mm-hmm. as I did makes for positive offense. You know, in just trying to get them to understand that's a championship shot. And so I, I do think uh, if, if in the mindset of that shooter, of the person trying to make that play, uh, if they think I have to make that shot, there's too much tension. Uh, they become tight. Uh, they're probably thinking about the wrong things. Their identity probably might be placed um, in a different spot. And it's all about making that shot to please people. Yeah. Uh, and But there's a difference between I have to make that shot as opposed to
3: I have to take that shot. And I can live with the consequences. Uh, whether it goes in or out. Right. And
0: so and again. Sometimes as adults, you have to give them the freedom to lose. You have to give them the freedom to miss that shot and say, everybody in the room, are you okay with him taking that shot? And they all say, absolutely, because he's the best shooter that we've got. And he missed it. You know, we again, we always want to like, I don't know, toot our own horn and say, you know, this is when it worked out. This is when it, well, sometimes it doesn't work out, and you did everything right. That's right. There, there is such a thing as like you play the odds. Vegas knows this more than anything else. There's a reason Vegas looks like Vegas. Yep. They know the odds, but in sports, at a young age, you don't know the odds. But but as a coach, the older you get, you kind of know the odds, and you got to play towards those odds. And like we have to take that shit. You have to take that shot, and we can live with the consequences. We all agree that that's, that's a good one for you. And the next time that happens, you're going to knock it down. Well, it's an unbelievable thing when you give someone the freedom to do that, how many shots they end up making for you over the course of the year, over the course of the career. Uh, I wrote something down on the board years ago, and, and again, sometimes players teach you a lot, and they said, man, that really helped. And I said, every decision you make at that particular time is the right one with the wisdom and knowledge you have at that time.
2: Hmm.
0: Now you may gain some more wisdom after that pass or that shot or, or whatever, but I said, like, don't look over at me. That's like I gave you as much as I could. You know as much as you can. So every decision you make is the right one, uh, with the knowledge that you have at that particular time. And for some reason, with high achievers that freedom up. And they said, and I've had multiple guys say that. And I was like, well, I'm going to use that after you've taught them. Like you don't want to use that one too early because if they don't know, they don't know. But uh, I don't know. I mean, there's just, it's never one thing. Yeah. You know, program It's never one speech. It's, it's the consistency of focus and effort. It's the uh, perseverance, uh, relentless patience, uh, developing somebody. And, you know, they're, they're working on a skill and they think they're terrible because they can't do it. And, you know, hopefully you've thought about it enough. You've coached enough and you said, man, you're, you're three reps away. They don't know they're three reps away, but you do. So I like well, that. Let, yeah. let them know, like you're pretty close. And there, then there's a couple of drills that you do and you, and you know that they're three reps away. Well, like, this is normal. Like you should be like you know shooting that inside hand layup in the heel of the rim said i'm not worried about that i said i know you'll get that at a certain time
1: i think that mentality that you have that you've cultivated towards your shooters is is so huge i I was reading a book and i blanking on the author's name, but i think the title was stillness is the key and in that book he talks about dart throwers which in In my opinion, it's very similar to what shooting is, is throwing an object at a dart. And even though, you know, different from darts, we have an opponent that can move and we're moving, but it's still the same action. But he said he called it willful will. If you're a dart thrower and you're and you you're trying to will it, I really need to hit the bullseye, I want so badly. He said, odds are you won't. So we have to eliminate that willful will in our shooters and, and what, like you told them, just be willing to take it. I love the idea. As soon as it leaves our hand, if that was in your shot selection scale, what you guys have are found a, a championship shot, like you said, As soon as it leaves their hand, great shot. It's good. It's good. I mean, that reinforces to them the next one. Oh, I don't care about what just happened. I'm going to do that again. Coach. That's right. that's great.
0: Yeah. That's uh but again, it's, I I feel like I've been so fortunate to coach so many different levels in types of kids. And so we all probably want to coach a certain type of kid, but, but I've had like so many varieties and we got to coach them all. Uh, yeah. So- but coach,
1: where did that come from though? Like, have you always had that mentality uh, to teach shooters that way? Because I would, you know, I, I think along the same lines as you, I don't know if I always did, and I definitely, when I'm on the sideline, I don't know if you've heard this before. When you hear the other coach screaming about, "You're taking bad shots. Stop taking dumb shots. Only good shots now." Like when they're saying those things, I'm thinking, I don't know if they, if everybody really knows what that means. Where did that come from for you?
0: Um, uh, I mean that's a that's a good question, but I think we always start with, um. there's a clarity that we have and and we show them an NBA effective field goal percentage uh, shot chart. And we show them what the best players in the world, where they, what their numbers are. Mm. So right elbow, left elbow and probably everybody that's ever played for us can repeat those numbers. Like it's, 39.2 at the left elbow and it's 39 over here at this right. This Kyrie Irving, it feels like he makes 90%. Nope. These are his numbers. These are. And so, and then we, we go a little bit deeper as like, when you get around the rim, we, we we create a document and then there's almost like pizza slices in front of the rim. And then your hand to the glass on each one of the sides, and there's there's a little area in between. Them, and when we do the do, the uh, the documents, like white slices, it's like the ball just doesn't go in. Mm. Like it's really hard. And so we give them a clear destination and we call them destination drives. And like, these are the spots you want to get to to make these shots. And so, and I think it does free them up because, and I call them freedom from choice, is like, this is where you want to go. Um, you know you can compare it to the 100 meters is like they're pretty aggressive in getting to the end of the 100 meters nobody's like hesitating nobody's getting lost nobody's veering off into different lanes like they know where they want to go so you know sometimes what however you play if you can give them a clear destination mm-hmm. of where they want to get to that helps And then there's a, the next segment of it is like, I can't get there. Like my skills don't allow me to get to the spots that we know are the best available spots ever. And that's where we came up with the term protection plans so that when you can't get there, you're trying, you know, we're acquiring the skills and we always start with the end. So we're finishing in those spots where, you know, special footwork that we would do a stride stop in those areas before you can ever have the ability to actually get to those spots. We've already taught you. And then eventually your skills may lead you to get to those spots, but it doesn't mean you're worthless that you can't get to those spots that we've defined. And we've been very clear on how to get there. So we protect you with, if you're driving and I can't like, it's a big deal to be able to get your foot in that charge circle. If you're finishing. So the good players do that. The bad players have no idea. So even if they have your protection plans of stride stopping and getting there, well, they're outside that charge circle, and they're stopping in a really bad area, and it's really hard to make any passes behind the defense. So one thing that's really helped those players before they can actually get into that circle to try to score it would say if you can't get there, keep your dribble alive. So don't pick it up. Uh, and it might be, and then we're going to try to teach everybody how to post up. But you know what? I'm in high school and I'm five four, and the guy that's guarding me is six foot. It's a bad matchup. It's okay. So now you're down there around the basket and you, can you go underneath the basket? Can you keep your dribble alive and go underneath? There's most times there's more room under there than you think.
1: Yeah. They don't know that. So what do you call there. that? Like I I we've called it a Nash before, but yeah, that's, I'm, no, I'm noticing that, that some of the names that the kids are forgetting who Steve Nash is now. So. I know. And so
0: <laughs> so I've always used Nash. Um Barkley is another one. Right? But
1: I'm and, thinking I'm and, calling it Brunson because you know, being in Dallas Fort Worth, Brunson right. from he was oh, great at that. Good.
0: And then, you know, some people would call it a hockey because you can go underneath the hockey net Ah. and do that. Uh, But then sometimes there's not room under there. So you dribble out the ball side, which is actually a really good play because you've flattened the defense. So I've dribbled with my right hand. I've got below the block. I couldn't get into the charge circle. And I just go out ball side. And that wing has lifted a little bit to give me room. But, again, anytime you can flatten the defense, treat it like an accordion – and then bring it back out. People do crazy things with their closeouts. And love, so,
2: love so this, you, yeah.
0: you help that player instead of just throwing up a bad shot or turning it over, you have protected him while he's trying to get to the spots where we said this is gold, but you're not good enough to get to gold. Doesn't mean that you're not a good enough player to help us win. You can just, like, make this possession last a little bit longer and we might be able to get to a better player and flatten a defense and then bring them back out, and then all of a sudden we've got something new to attack. Um, so that's what we would say. We're, we're protecting you while you acquire your skills. Uh, now, how it all developed, I don't know. Like I, I, know I, I know exactly when I knew I was doing it wrong, and I was, and I was at Iowa Western, junior college coach, 25, 26 years old, and I had two separate, distinct parts of practice. And one, I'm working like all the Pete Newell stuff because I had the Pete Newell video from Hawaii and they had the Hawaiian shorts on and Kiki Vanderway's in there. And I mean, just, I mean, it was awesome. So Pete Newell's teaching this footwork from the post and he could take it out at the perimeter. It's all the same stuff. If the guy plays you this way, you drive that way. If he plays you this way, great. But I had five-man motion going on at the same time And so I had a staggered screen going on when we went to team offense. And so this kid that I worked with on all these moves, and he was great at them. All of a sudden, guys playing them this way on the wing, and I got a staggered screen going on up top where all it's crowded. And he drives it in there, just like I taught him about half an hour earlier. And I start to yell at him, what are you doing? It's crowded over there. (laughs) And he didn't say a word because he was a great kid. And then as I'm saying it, I was like, I don't know how to fix this. Mm. Uh, But I know there's a disconnect. And it was kind of a pursuit of like, how do I get this so that I can, the individual stuff fits with the team stuff? Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it's not easy. You got to think about how you want to play, who you have and all that stuff. But I didn't like what I was doing. Not the teaching wise. The teaching was great. The five-man motion was great. And the individual was great. It just didn't connect, and I hated yelling at that kid. But when you're 25, you're just yelling, like you don't know why. You just want to protect your ego as a coach because I was right on one part, and I wanted to. I didn't want anybody to think that I wasn't right on the other part. So it's a. I was. I was just trying. You just trying to like say, guys, I can coach.
1: Yeah.
3: But I really put them both in a tough bind.
1: I think it's a great nugget, Coach, right there of, of for all of us to take time to look at the individual skill work portion of your practice and make sure this, the things that you're – how many coaches, how many times have I had my guys working on things that actually don't do that within our scheme? <laughs> it looks great. I watched a video on it. Uh this this NBA skills trader does it, but it's not necessarily leading my guys to success winning championship shots. And, yeah. that, and that's a that's a great nugget.
0: And and I do think there there's some value to doing some film work with your team afterwards. It's not really with your team, it's more for you. And and just just make a highlight tape basically and stuff that looks good to you. And I remember doing it the first time we did a lot of five-man motion, like pure motion, Uh, Bob Bob Huggins-type stuff from the early days. Um, And so we spent so much time coming off these curls and shooting these kind of elbow jumpers in in practice. And so I'm like, I'm trying to find those a little bit in, in the highlights. And I think we had two. Yeah. So does it add up the practice time we're putting towards that? Now, did we get the screener popping? Sure, we did. So I'm not saying that that curling off of it was bad. I'm just saying like we spent a lot of time that for things that didn't show up. Hmm. And so sometimes when you just look at a at a season, you're saying what looked good to me and have no agenda, and then and then you say I want more of that. Yeah. How do I get that? And again, like, I don't. I'm not telling you how to get it, but you you're thinking in a different way. Like there's something that these kids got that was uh, that was a byproduct, maybe. It's like, I want more of that. I want more of that wing to wing bypass. And maybe that turns into an offense in itself.
1: I think maybe it takes it full circle back to the clarity, the things on your napkin.
3: Yes, you,
1: you could take your napkin and maybe you cross some things out. Based on what you just saw, what you guys are actually doing, and and you're just be, you're able to connect. And then, like I love what you said, not that the guys have to coach, but that at the end of the year, at the end of the year, if they like at a high school level, could I take my players to our junior high and say, hey, put in put in what we do, teach what we do? Can you be clear with them on what we do? I I, I feel good about a couple of them. I think they could, and but because we're pretty simple. And, and and we try to be clear with what we're teaching, but
0: well, w- one of the fastest ways to teach somebody is to teach them and then have them teach somebody else. Mm. And so, I was very fortunate to kn- to know Coach Meyer, Don Meyer, uh, at Lipscomb and then at Northern State. But uh, you know, a lot of his philosophy was based off of those camps, and and all those guys worked at the camps. And we did the same thing at Bethel, and 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 we taught those guys how to teach. It wasn't a camp where, you know, like the basketball player has a ball on his hip and he's dribbling while these little kids – are yeah. we would hot shot,
1: knockout. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't that at all.
0: Like we were, we were coaching them how to teach, yeah. and it mattered to us. And so we would take them the night before, and we would go through camp of all the things that we were going to teach, but they were freshmen. And it was amazing. Uh, You know, they're new to our program. We just recruited them and they're going to be working camp. And if you walked in there, you'd say, well, that's an illegal division three practice and say, have at it. It's not. Uh, It is exactly what we do, but we're going to teach these seven-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 15-year-olds, all this same stuff. And so we're teaching our guys how to do it. And, you got it. You're good. They're, you know, they're starting to kind of figure it out how to do it and how to pop the ball and how to stop and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think we're good. And to see the deer in the headlights at nine o'clock in the morning when we had those little kids and like uh, they don't know how to teach, <laughs> they don't know how to talk to them. And then yeah. their first response, a lot, you know, the ones that aren't great teachers would be, I got bad kids. They don't care. And I said, nope, I'm not buying it. I said, make them care. You need to be more passionate about it. And it's a struggle. Like, and they don't know the terms yet. And you're, you gotta be over there and you gotta whisper it to them. You gotta help them how to teach it. And then, you know, by the end of the week, they're getting a little bit better. Well, that second year, the worst teachers we've ever had, they've become great teachers Hmm. and they take pride in it. And then they're saying like, coach, I'm so much better at, at controlling this basket. Yeah before and so and that was a big part and and when i was in division three i just I, I i would tell my division one friends guys i don't know if it can be done but if you ever go back to division three if you know if you, if i ever go back to division one this is a model that really helps teaching mm. uh it really helps people understanding the game and helps them grow better and again you know, again i think this is a I think this is, I know this is true. When you, when you give your gifts away for free, uh, you end up benefiting in ways that you'll never understand. And so when they give their gifts away, their knowledge, their teaching to those kids, they're, they have no idea how much they're getting back in return and you're teaching them how to talk to other people. So now, now it's, it's not the first time they've ever tried to teach a teammate, uh so i so i think there's some so much value there unfortunately the camp business is not very good in 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 and i'm not like bashing aau or anything uh there are certain states where it is and minnesota it's still great yeah like they still value they'll come to camps and they'll learn in certain states i think it is but i i the value it is for like teaching your guys how to teach which eventually it's, it's teaching them really how to talk to other teammates yeah. So.
1: And, and I was also thinking maybe have a little more appreciation, too, for what we do. Yeah, because I had I had a couple of my varsity guys coach um, a a spring shootout with some of our up and coming freshmen and watching them on the sideline with our future lions. One of them came up to me. He said, Coach, I just I don't know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. so there is a part of the teaching but then it also doesn't hurt to have them uh, understand and appreciate what we do right yeah no doubt about it coaches the Jamodi podcast is powered by bology manage and measure your players skill development and increase accountability year round utilizing the bology app boost inter squad competition with drills backed by the national high school basketball coaches association including a 40 shot bology skills assessment Please visit Bology.com slash teams for information on how you can provide this resource for your team. I think so often most coaches believe in individual skill work, especially in the fall, in the spring, in the summer. And then sometimes once the season hits and team stuff starts, individual skill work just tanks and, and take the time is taken away. How important it is that to keep it in your daily practice?
0: Well, it's it's a lot easier if if how you play is based on that individual skill development. So, you know, to be honest with you over the years as the season goes on, we do more of the individual. And but it but the individual skill development is our offense. You know, it's learning how to play with the guy in the corner, it's it's you learning how to figure out how to get to that circle, not get to the circle. Uh so, obviously, with, with every offense, there's, there's got to be some sort of uh, a framework that everybody's got to work within, but we, we don't want that so complex that we have to spend so much time on that as opposed to the individual pieces that really make it work. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, how you're asked to play can affect how good you become. So, you know, if it's, if it's more about the offense and the system, and so I never want to say, like, we have a system to anything. Yeah. You know, we have some concepts of, of how we want to play, which allows us to have, you know, make up numbers, but, like, it feels like our whole practice is individual skill development. And so uh, I'm a big category guy, and I'm always trying to put things in categories, and, and I confuse myself. I say, I don't know if that's a team skill or an individual skill. <laughs> And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. But I would like to be able to organize some things in fast draw or when you're putting things down, well, which drill is it? And and I love that I confuse myself because i like, I don't know. So it's probably a shooting drill then, but it looks like <laughs> it could be our team offense. Because yeah. we're driving in the basket, we're stopping a certain way and we're throwing a pass back out top and that person up top's not open. So we second cut to the other guard spot. We're throwing a bounce pass behind the person's butt and we're slot driving it and yeah. we are working on finishing school. Yeah. And so people would ask, well, how long do you work on finishing school? I was like, I don't know, I'll practice long. How long do you work on your shooting footwork? Uh, all practice long. So everything that we're doing, we're, we're watching those feet. But again, it goes back to that napkin. It's like, what do you really care about? And so, you know, we all have some elusive loose some great plays that are going to get you the naked score. That's going to get you the recognition. People think you can coach, but, but it's usually the, the broken play that wins the game. Hmm. So, you know, in watching the San Francisco 49ers with Bill Walsh and the immaculate well, that's not the, that was uh, Pittsburgh, but they throw it to the catch. Yep, White Clark in the end zone. And it was like, oh, geez, Joe, Montana. Joe Montana, just scrambling. He just threw it to the end, the end zone. That's what I thought as I was watching as a little kid. And then you find out, I was like, no, that was like the fourth check he went through. And then Walsh said, if you don't have anything, throw it to the corner of the end zone. And Dwight Clark is going to be there. And if he can't catch it, it's going out of bounds, like they prepared for the broken. and, And again, of all in football, that might be the all time great execution coach that I've ever seen was that 49ers team with Bill Walsh in, in mm-hmm. the West coast offense.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he prepared for the quote broken play. And it really got me thinking is like, well, maybe we should be playing for the broken play. So an offensive rebound that, uh, and especially when you're deficient or you're smaller and you get it, and you try to jam it back up versus three people might not be a great play. Like we might not get great results from it, but if I don't face the basket when I'm catching an offensive rebound, the ball is down in a big concept for us. And whenever we have a ball down or on a baseline, can we get it up and over as fast as we can? So it's down. Can we get it up and over? Now, every time we catch it, we're trying to shoot it. Me first. And if I can't shoot it, I'm moving it fast or I'm driving it fast. So it takes some of the decision-making out in, and so you, you've coached long enough to know, like, some of your worst feeling play, first worst feel players, when they kick it out, they drive it right back into the mess. Yeah. So a concept that concept kind of helps those players that don't know how to play down, up, over. Well, in some ways, an offensive rebound is a broken play, right? It didn't go the way it was supposed. The ball was supposed to go in.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: But we're practicing actually when it yeah. doesn't go in there's a play behind it and that's to get it out and over as fast as we can. And people are scrambling and we're ready to shoot it. So, you know, we do a lot of shooting drills off of that. We're talking about that. We're conceptually we're teaching to a broken play and then we're teaching the footwork. And uh, that's how games are won, won and lost. Like I've never been beat by set plays. There's not many teams that have ever been beat by set plays and there's some great set play guys, but offensively or defensively, those fundamentals that go into it are, are usually what's getting you beat. Mm. And so again, what's your focus, you know, those 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 napkins over, over the years, I've said like those are the most important things that help you win a game. And so yes, I wish you would have heard me or remembered that little play that we could have got a bucket, but it's okay. Like we can play through it. And so, again, you're whispering about the lack of execution, but you are celebrating the fact that they can play through mistakes. And, again, the difference between 25 and 55, I actually can celebrate that and understand, like, that's a bigger thing. That's way more important than you not executing the play that coach said would win us the game. The other stuff is more important.
1: I think uh, definitely stealing that because people will ask me, how much time do you spend on shooting? How much time do you spend with an individual? I try to think of like a percentage, you know, I try to think of, uh, but you're right when, and this isn't like you had said before, it's not an attack on guys that have a a notebook of 18 plays that they're going to get in throughout the season and they're going to walk the ball up. And they're, if, if they don't get something in transition, they, Bring it out, bring it out. Set it up, set it up. And things that at faith you'll never hear. Like it, it, it's not an attack on that. It's it, it's a part of it, but uh, it does help when you're trying to play in transition against a retreating defense off a of make or miss or ch- any change of possession. When you can instantly flow into some concepts where there's nothing that like you're never wrong. You're it's never broken. Right. Just make another choice, choose yep. another option. There's more there. It's 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 uh, it's jazz. It's not classical music <laughs> where it's messed up. And it, when you're thinking that way, my answer forever now is going to be the entire practice. How much does individual skill work? The whole thing. Because you're yeah. right, coach. When we play four on four or three on three or two on two, even putting in layers of some of our movements and actions, it's individual skill work. And if it, it, it connects directly to what we do very rarely one on know, but some of those skills that where we wanted them to acquire some of those protection plans, like you said, but that's going to be my answer forever. Uh, because I, and I love the way, the way that you said that.
3: Yeah, that's,
0: but again, it's, it's one of those things that you've had to have a few scars uh, you've had to be on the other side and so, like I'm saying this, and I believe this, and I violate it sometimes, but I've had enough scars over time to say, like, I do think this is the best way to play, uh, and, and not a particular offense or anything, but just sure. in terms of an approach. Uh, and, and and it is important for those kids to feel like they're getting better. Um, yeah. And people don't, you know, I've I've said this multiple times, but people don't get burned out from working hard. They 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 get burned out from working hard and feel like they can't
1: go anywhere or they're yeah, not just hitting right. that brick wall. Yeah, yeah,
0: and and you just you want everybody in your program would be our goal is like just in the back of their mind they don't have to say it out loud. It's like how good can I get? Hmm.
2: Uh,
0: and then and then to have the excitement when you when you start feeling like that, regardless of what your role is, because I've seen this happen before. It's not just for the starters, but you know that back end of your roster. Uh there's always a certain time where, you know, that kid, again, we all have egos and and he's got to survive. So, you know what? I didn't get into the, you know, the playing rotation. So I'm going to be the mascot. And was like, and, and I always had the conversation with him. I was like, we already have a mascot. I don't need you doing that. And it's like, I need you to keep growing and stop writing the end of the story. Mm. I said, you don't know. I mean, if you and if you truly believe in development,
2: yeah,
0: if you don't know the end of the story. I said, Agent, I want you to get lost in your development, and uh, you know. And sometimes it's the conversation when those kids come to your office, and yeah. we and we all have it, and say, "I want to play more." And so, well, how do you answer that? And and it's never easy. And it's never fun telling somebody you're you're not going to play. And so, you know, you're looking at the stats, and you're trying to prove them, like you're you're not a good player. Yeah. And so you can do that, but it's like, really? You want to do that to your your team? You want to do that to your kid? And so, you know, instead you want to try to change the narrative. It's like you're not going to play, I chose that you're not going to play. What else do you want? And usually it's like, well I want to play. I think I should play more. And so sometimes it takes about three times of saying, well you're not going to play. I made that decision. And so, you know, you're not throwing anybody else under the bus. Yeah. What else do you want? And so, but usually by the third time, it was like, well, is there anything else that you would want to do? Like within basketball, it's like, well, I'd like to get better at this. Okay. Now we changed the narrative and now we've worked on something. And it's like, you have no control over this. Like you work as hard as you can, all that stuff. I made the decision I'm playing these guys, but you do have control over some other things like, and, and if you can ever get them lost in the game, lost in their development, lost mm-hmm. in their growth, and they start thinking, and it's just a game changer. Now, you, you can't always do that. Sure. But, but I found over the years, like that has been an amazing thing. That you got to, and again, you can't answer their question. You've got to change the question. You got to change the narrative. And, and I, we all want to tell stories about a kid playing JV for three years, hanging in there. And then all of a sudden he becomes all conference. And we have those, like we've had some amazing stories like that, but there's also the kid that did the same thing hung in there and didn't get it. And so what were his feelings after the season? Like mm-hmm. I'm actually disappointed And And there's one kid that I'm thinking about right now is that, he did all those things. He went mascot route. He did all that stuff. And he fell in love with the game again. And he got so good at the end. And, and we're we're on a roll. And we're playing some great basketball. And I, he's, he's killing it in practice. And I was like talking to a staff like, hey, if there's a chance, we might need to play him. Not because I feel sorry for him. Not because I want to do this. Like, I do want to do this. But he's good. And – we're we're in the semis and and there was almost a chance and I'm looking down there I was like I'm telling you I'm we're gonna do that we're gonna use him Yep, and so it didn't work out uh, get to the finals whatever and it's like he's ready to go he hadn't played in 18 games and I'm ready to put him in a championship game and I didn't do it and the season ends and it was like unbelievable and so he was at a you know the basketball banquet. Uh, type stuff, and he starts talking about it. I'm kind of feeling bad, like dang it, if there was one more game like, like you were so close. he spoke about how amazing it was, how good uh, he had gotten, he didn't even speak about he didn't get in. I'm thinking I let him down because yeah. I couldn't get him in. I was trying like crazy uh one, I appreciated his work ethic, two, he was good enough, and maybe better. the time ran out, yeah but he was fulfilled because he embraced, he got lost in the game and how good he was getting so he taught me a lesson I was like it doesn't always work that way but if you can ever get that situation where they get lost in the game and lost in their development the other stuff yeah. just takes care of itself and they usually usually they get to be the end of the great story
1: yeah. but sometimes
0: not and it's still okay
3: it's still good
1: yeah that's good kim mulkey um we we're having a sim, similar conversation and she was talking about uh instead of what you can't promise players you you're like we can't promise them playing time and if anybody does that man that's that's dangerous so you can't promise that but like think of it more like you said reframe it what can you promise she yeah. said that she could promise that they would graduate i like to think that if if we truly believe in skill development developing players and, and all of them to, to do certain skills, work on their shot. I, that's a great thing that I can promise them and their family. I can't promise you any playing time this year, but I can promise you that I'm going to work my tail off to help you develop every single day and that you'll have those opportunities. I think that's what uh, players love to hear. Is not that you're not going to play. And by the way, most practices, you're just going to be standing there. You know, like that, that's a, that's a tough message. And then to your, to your story too, I think by really buying into development, man, players surprise you. And some of my favorite, favorite times, and I'll I'll just, if Hooper O'Neill ever listens to this, it was this past season coach, the type of character, like you want your sons to be like this guy played football and basketball, always came out the basketball, took him a little bit to get back into it, just couldn't find him the time. But, man, he worked his tail off. Senior night, 18 points in the first quarter. Like, hmm. I, we just went off, four threes, doing all this stuff, and then a smile on his face, the crowd. And I'm thinking, of my, it's not about me, obviously, it's about him. But those moments, I don't believe, come if we're not developing all of them, not just our best five, not just our top score. So more, more, uh, hopefully more inspiration to develop players.
0: Oh, no, no doubt. And, and so obviously you, your top rotational players are going to get more, more attention in. And, and again, coaching at a lot of different levels, uh, division three, sometimes a little bit bigger. And, uh, it, it was really important. So if if, if I didn't watch them as closely in practice I was always going to watch them in film to be able to see something and I thought like the worst thing ever if I was in one of those situations like one of those kids is like nobody knows it's good or bad like even bad like I'm not doing something and so like they would get called out in film on a side basket for not working their feet and like we expect more out of you mm-hmm. and so it doesn't matter if you're playing or not playing there. There's a certain standard that we want to play. And so you could come on, you know, you could come at them pretty hard just the way you would a starter or somebody that's getting rotation. And, and I thought it gave them a little bit like, Hey, I am a part of this and what I'm doing does matter. And that's good. And, and as a byproduct, here's, here's what I think maybe sometimes coaches don't understand those guys not playing or sitting on the bench and they might be best friends with the guys that are playing. So if you don't treat them with, with the same amount of respect or the same amount of energy of teaching, and again, I just told you a different way. It's like I didn't always, I couldn't see everything. And my focus was more on that rotational group while during practice. But at nighttime, I knew I had more time that I could watch them play. So they needed to know that I cared about their feet as much as I cared about somebody else's, and yeah. but sitting next to your star player at lunch, and on the bench, and on the bus ride, and so if sometimes it's easy to to uh, to take it out on a lesser player, uh, in anger or yell at them because they're not as coordinated, whatever. Hmm. So go ahead and do that, but understand that players like each other way more than they like coaches, and so. Uh, treat them all, treat them all with respect because they're, they are, they're buddies. And some of the alpha males on your team will stand up for those, those guys that aren't as good and they should. Um, and, and those guys, if you're teaching them how to teach, you know, the guy that's not getting the minutes can see things that the alpha male can't, and he might be able to talk to them in a way that we can't that's right and so you're trying to cultivate a group of people that are all pulling for each other and and you know how you how you conduct yourself in practice and how you teach development and what you believe in i mean it does it does have a residue and and, and transcends into some some different things
1: coaches the Jamodi podcast is powered by shoot 360. The future of basketball has arrived in Dallas-Fort Worth. Shoot360 combines the latest sports technology with the fundamentals of basketball skill development. The result is a -a one-of-a-kind video game-like basketball program designed to improve your shooting, dribbling, and passing. Visit Shoot360DFW.com to learn more and register for your free one-hour workout evaluation. Shoot360, the future of basketball is here. We talked. We talked a little bit about and, and learned about your style of play, but I think since you have that napkin and you have your convictions in a way that you like to teach, can you do you fit that style? And it maybe a little bit easier with recruiting. Um, do you do you change your style depending on your players, or you're just going to fit those players into that style of play?
0: Well. And again, whether it's right or wrong, but I've always used this example. When North Carolina really had it rolling, they had two of everything. They were like Noah's Ark. I always felt like I wasn't at one of those schools where I could have two of everything. And sometimes you didn't have anything. And so uh, I wanted as much flexibility and variety and everything that we did. And so what the napkin solely does is provide a foundation.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, that would work with any offense. It would work with any type of defense. And it gives you flexibility to, to navigate what are they good at. And so I, 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 I've done enough studying. I believe this enough, like how we're going to start, how we're going to stop it's great for the best in the world it's great for the average player and it's really good for the bad players it allows them to compete or play a little bit longer so so these are things that 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 work with everything and so you're watching your players and 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 you might have an idea of how you might want to play but they're telling me what they're good at hmm. and so each team looks a little bit different and we might do have some variety or some different things that we do with one team over another team. And, you know, things that have worked for the last three years just don't click quite as well with this team. It's not their fault. You know, that, that other team had a little gift to them or, or like a certain player that could do something. So it doesn't mean that this other guy's bad. It just means that he's not good at that. Yeah. So he might be good at something else. And again, that's, you know, again, when you have a a core belief of a foundation allows them to run. And if you don't have that core foundation, you're in quicksand and you're playing whack-a-mole saying like, well, this worked in the past. I mean, that's, that's not what we're trying to do. It's more like, what do we have and what can they do? Hmm. But it's not crazy. And it's not in this, you know, again, there's a, there's a canvas. There's a certain type that you can fit it into this. And there's a lot of variety and, and we want to play towards those, but it takes I mean, I think it probably would be easier if I just had a system in play number one, play number two, play number three, and you just put people in those areas. and it's sure easy earlier because it's it's more organized. it's more um, my personality likes likes the puzzle part. Yeah. Like, I really like the you no, know, I say that, and then, that um trust me, there are nights I go home as like this puzzle, the pieces don't fit. <laughs> And I'd rather have it simple, like we all would. But deep down, I mean, it's it's the, uh, oh, what did I hear just recently? The pursuit of happiness versus the pursuit is happiness. And I'm like, oh, that's gold. It really is. You know, the stuff that's bringing me joy at this stage of my life, the pursuit of putting that puzzle together is what brings me the greatest joy. And it, creates unbelievable headaches and stress i don't want to say stress but uh, heartache pain all that stuff but just trying to put that together figuring it out over the course of the year and then you know that caveat of having players grow because of the skill development and, and so everybody's everybody has a tendency to say we all believe in skill development all right great but I can't. I don't think it just stays with that. It can't just be skill development. Uh, you know how you play. You got to have. You got to have space to use that skill development. So now that that's two factors. So skill development, and then create space in order to utilize those skills. And then there's a third component, is that you got to have a flexible style, when those players grow into different things. So, you, so you're not requiring me to call play number three for you to use that new skill because you can post up on the left block. It's always been there, and now you can you can go in there and you can go do those things. So, uh, develop skills, create space in order to utilize those skills, and then hopefully you have a flexible style of play that allows people to grow into different areas. And even if they don't grow in there, they don't you know they can still play for you. And then the last part that we say to that is um you know together we attack you know it's we this came up in in camp because people weren't working their feet and he said you gotta take care of your feet first like it's it's about it's about you first before you shoot it or pass it or drive it like if you don't work your feet That defender's not closing out on you. If you just pass it right away, it's just windshield wiper defense, and they don't have. We need to use floor to space or uh, floor to ceiling space, Uh, so they're vertical when they you know they're coming out here, and I can lift them, and I can drive by them, or I can throw here. uh, So it's like me first for us, and then like I'm at a Christian college, I'm coaching a team sport, and I'm saying me first. I said, well, I kind of like that, and so we'd put it on our T-shirts, and it was kind of awkward. We'd give it our guys, and
1: yeah, me
0: first. And we put little <laughs> tiny letters, little tiny letters that said "for us," and then we'd we'd teach them and educate them as they walked across a Christian college. Yeah, what that really meant, and and so you know, the first way we would we would describe it, it would be if you're on an airplane. The, the flight attendant would say, take care of yourself first before you take care of this. And then we go a little bit deeper in there in terms of, hey, we all understand this me first thing at two. Mind me. And then the reason we have this for us, it's so small because it's hard to get to, but it's where all the joy is. So when you take care of your feet, when you take care of that stuff right in here, when I narrow my vision to the rim, and I look at very little, but I can see a lot. You're, it's for us and so when you drive in there and you draw to for us that decision's already made if it's me first me second me third that's selfish we want to stay away from that but we're doing this so that we can give our gifts away and we can give them away for free and I can make you all conference by throwing that shot throwing that pass so you can knock down the shot and if you miss it it's still a championship play so I hate cliches uh, it drives me nuts. And so that me first thing kind of stuck and then you got to be careful that it doesn't become a cliche yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a Twitter thing. So, but that, that's always been a kind of a unique thing in, in helping them develop and in making them think about things a different way. Uh, and, and we want thinkers. We want, I love people that are asking questions. I, Hey coach, what about this? Well,
3: you're thinking about it. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it later. Maybe not. Um,
1: Coach, I don't, I don't have anything to anything to add to that. I, I was really, I, I kind of forgot for a second that I was on a Zoom. With, I was just listening to you because it's it's so good and uh, so many things that, especially if you happen to play um, in a similar or think a similar way, like I, that really fits into what what we do. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that, Coach. The the speed round last thing quick questions. We'll get to know you even better. All right. Ready? Favorite ice cream flavor? (laughs) Vanilla. How many hours of sleep do you need and do you get? Oh, it varies, but not very many. Mm. Early riser?
3: Depends on the year, but time of year, yes. Yeah. Favorite basketball movie of all time? Oh, one-on-one with Robbie Benson. What's that one? <laughs> How old are you? 40.
0: Yeah, you might have been behind the times there. but uh,
1: One-on-one with...
0: Robbie Benson. The soundtrack with Seals and Croft. Fantastic.
1: Okay. Coach, I'll, I'll check it out for sure. It's a, it's, a, it's a little bit of Pete
0: Maravich mixed with Bob Knight.
1: Uh Fantastic. Okay. Awesome. Uh, For high school, shot clock or no shot clock? Oh, shot clock. <laughs> texting or talking? Talking. Favorite holiday?
3: Christmas. In basketball, who's the goat? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, watching Larry Bird. Oh. Uh,
0: and and again i it's not to disrespect all these great players after him or even before him yeah but what he and magic did for the game during a time where i'm growing up and watching this thing and trying to figure out how it works um it was, it was just beautiful i mean th- both of them could go for 40 uh the rebounding the assists i mean it was the passing I, I I fell in love with how they how they made the guy next to him better hmm. uh, in, in multiple ways. But but, yeah, I, I was bird and my older brother was was uh, magic and <laughs> yeah, it was
1: great. That's good. Uh, favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in.
3: Oh, Brandon, South Dakota. That's <laughs> where I grew up.
1: Awesome. If you could travel back in time, what period would you visit?
3: Oh, that's a tough one i I hate to throw that one out like that
1: uh, I mean, you can always pass coach if if, if yeah. it's too hard
0: I mean, I mean, I have some ideas, but and this and this one might sound corny, but like right now, I don't wanna miss like what's going on right now mm. uh, it's uh you know again, that's a selfish answer, but uh. You know, being here at at Army West Point, uh, you know, having coached for over 30 years. uh, I'd hate to go back any other time because I don't want I I want to I am so curious to what's going to happen now. Yeah. With with what we're building and developing is that I'd hate to go back any time because like this one is so interesting to me.
1: Yeah. Well said, coach. Two more. Uh, How many cups of coffee do you drink per day?
0: You know, I used to drink coffee a lot, and then I went to those little five-hour things, and and your body must have like a capacity for caffeine, and so now I can't drink coffee because I've been (laughs) because I drink those five hours.
1: Last one, Uh, Godfather, Star Wars, or neither?
3: Uh, The first Godfather. Nice,
1: solid, coach. This has been awesome. Uh, You're just such a great teacher and thank you so much for sharing. And I-, I learned a lot, got a lot out of it. Thank you. Your, your time. It was incredible.
0: Well, thank you very much for having me.
1: If, if, I mean, cause a lot of it, your, your website is incredible and you have so many great resources on it. Will you share a little bit if coaches want to learn more about your, your, your coaching philosophy, offensive defense, where, where should they go?
0: Yeah, it's uh coach Doug and and again it's I think there there's like two things on there that I actually sell, but 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 mainly it's just information. Yeah. And it started when I was at Bethel and I and I didn't know anybody in Minnesota. I take that job. And the Christian college, how they advertised it, wasn't really I didn't really it it didn't draw me like their advertising campaign, so I wanted to frame it the way it actually was. And so it was a recruiting thing. And then I had all these basketball videos. I didn't know what to do with them. I know nothing about technology. And my assistant was really good. I said, you know what? Just throw those things on there as an afterthought. And so I could talk to, I have a group of coaching friends that I've talked to for years. I said, it'd be a lot easier if they, if we could just talk about it and they can see it on the tail end of that website. And then it just kind of grew into something else. And I've been able to get all kinds of fun, great relationships for it. And then there's there's one other story I want to show uh, that I want to share is that I'm at Clemson University. I know I'm going to coach basketball. Uh, Well, actually, I was at Tennessee, played tennis there. I was going to play basketball in college, but I just choose to go play tennis for some odd reason. Uh, Really, really smart move by me because it's like now I got no contacts in basketball. So I take a tennis job at Clemson. Not a bad gig. I mean, you're a Division One tennis coach, wow. um, and so I'm tight with those basketball coaches over at Clemson, and I'm trying to work it so I can get my first basketball job. And they had the they had Don Meyer VHSs in their office, and I was like, uh, I mean, like, I I'm trying to acquire information. And they said, like, Well, how much money you got? I was like, I I don't know, but I I got like I got like ten. Prince graphite rackets, I'll, I'll give you four of them and they're worth like 200 bucks a piece. And they said, all right. So I had to give up like four graphite rackets to get two Don Meyer videos. And, and I was like, you jerks, but, but it was, but those were gold to me. Yeah. And then, and then I did think if I ever get in that position and I, and I have some information or some knowledge or something, I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to do that. And, and it's all about the teaching and coaching of it anyway. And yep. there's, there's really nothing to be protective about or like you're trying to hide, like you have some sort of secrets. It's it's not. I've learned some things along the way. And if I can give them away and help someone else, it makes me feel better. Uh, and again, just having conversations like you and I having this conversation, it helps me out, too, hmm. Like trying to explain what you believe in. Yeah, it's not easy. It's it's easy to forget. And it's easy to get pulled away from why you're coaching. Um, And so the more conversations that you have, and again, like my daughter's a blessing having those conversations because she's seeing things through a different lens. Yeah. And so as you're explaining it, I'm getting better. So as I'm giving, you know, as I said, you give your gifts away for free, not expecting nothing in return. Like it actually comes back to help you somehow. I don't know how it works to be honest with you, but it just does. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So there's the website coachdugnovak.com. Have Yeah.
1: And thank you again so much for your time. I, I, this was just a pleasure for me to get to talk coops with you coach. Nope. Thank you. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast